hundred percent guarantee. We have only ever answered good questions. Yep. Uh, and the ones we haven't answered were just were bad. I Except for all the ones the, that you, the, <laughs> like the specific listeners listening, right? Now. Yeah. You. Your question you, was great. Was we just great. haven't got around to it yet. Butterscotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 305 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the Game Dev Comedy Podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I have dirty glasses. I'm Sam, and I'm the artist. Uh, this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is April 1st, 2021. Dunk on everyone. Before we get started, we have a warning. We're going to just be we're just gonna be swearing on this show. It is the 2020s, just, after all. Yeah. We're going to be ejecting profanities like one of those Icelandic volcanoes that shuts down air traffic for three months. Those are, you're talking about those volcanoes that just yell fuck really loud? Just yeah, like you know nonstop. the ones. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those yeah. unique well, that's, geographical features of Iceland that the air yeah. passing through their volcanoes just emits incredibly emits loud obscenities. swear words. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if you look closely in the name of any Icelandic volcano, you can find any swear word in, in any language. <laughs> yeah, sure. Icelandic names are a lot like uh, the whole like infinite monkeys on infinite typewriters thing where yep. it's just like yeah. if you want something in there, you can find it. You, it's in there. We got they. Whatever you, it's the uh, the Rorschach ink blot test of names. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, also, uh, we would like to uh, thank our supporters over at MoneyGrab.Bscotch.net. We got a couple of couple of hot ones huh. coming in with some dones. Uh, we got a donation from Dino. Okay, that, who I was says, really having trouble. Following those hot ones with dones, Adam. We got got it. I caught up. We got some. We got some hot donors coming in with some cash. Dino says, "Hi guys." Uh, There's more though. Dino says, "Hi guys." (laughs) It was about time to throw some coins your way. I really do appreciate your podcast. I hope they never stop. Been listening to you for about three years now. I think. Wow. Also, Adam. Adam, I really love your blogs. I look forward to getting those in my inbox. Mm -hmm. Cheers, bros. Uh, so thank you very much for the if, donation. Yeah, if you're not signed up, you should go sign up. It's you're gonna go to tinybs.co slash dev chat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, easy. yeah, Adam Adam has some nice uh musings about all kinds of stuff. It's it's basically the more technical version of this podcast, but also still with lots of Just high level stuff. philosophical things about yeah. like Managing your work, about mental health stuff, about movies, you know, yep. just, you know, whatever. I'm not, we're, on, um, we're on episode ten now, so it's just, it's just. Moving. Oh my god, yeah, it's just, it's just cruising along. Uh, we also got a donation from Doctor Hayes, who said, uh, who said, been a longtime fan of yours since the Crashlands days, and figured it had been too long since I gave you my money. Mm, I agree. Yeah, you know, I wish more people uh, would have this realization. You know, that's yeah. uh, that'd be great. Yeah, uh, he says, as a fellow ADHDer, I appreciate your openness and frank discussions. Also, if you're having fun with your hoe making paths, that's a hoe down, y'all. Mm. Talked about our Valheim, we just hoed for oh, the road. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was again having a lot of trouble parsing. Understanding yeah, what was I had to. I had to make sure that we, you know, yeah, get yeah, the yeah, call yeah. back in there. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's uh, thank you very much for the donations. And if anybody else would like to support the podcast, you can do so at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Let's talk about life. Uh, more specifically, movies. Mm. It's been kind of a movie week for, well, Adam and Sam. Not for me, but uh, mm. let's hear about it. Let's hear about, for starters, 
the Justice League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Snyder. Yeah, cut. I, I can't. I, I'm. I'm not going to get really into it because I can't stop talking if I do. My so wife getting and I, fired up. No, yeah, I've got so far. My wife holds me back. Hold me back, bro. <laughs> my, my my wife hasn't even seen it yet, but I was finishing it because she was doing some other stuff, and so I I watched it over like four days this week because it's very long. Uh, so <laughs> I finished it up last night, and uh, in short, I was I had a good time, but I was literally laughing out loud at how bad aspects of it are, specifically. All of the writing, and just all all of it. all of it, and every and every character interaction and quote unquote development. Uh, it just like it was so obviously bad that it was hilarious, um, but visually spectacular. Just like it's the weirdest contrast of enormous budget and attention to like. CG detail, visual detail, and visual yeah. detail, like so much effort going into all that stuff. And then just zero effort of any sort going into uh, storytelling, which reminds me a lot also about AAA video games sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. like it's a, that's a, that's a whole thing, I guess. Um, so anyway, that happened. Yeah. I, uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I watched, I watched it kind of in two sittings. I think you can kind of, uh, you know, take a page from Adam's book. I think it'd be a fun thing to do like, because they, they they literally have parts that come up on screen. It's like part one. Yeah, there's there's six parts you know. plus an epilogue. Yeah. So you could you could six. you could do yeah. and there if you do it like that, I think it'd probably be you know maybe forty five minutes per. So like you could you could spread that bad boy out almost like a show season over the course of a week if you wanted to. Uh, I also yeah. I would recommend it. I think it is. Uh, I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, it is as Adam said, it's got plenty of dumbness in it, but uh, but it's still enjoyable. Uh, yeah, it's it's a. Uh, it's it's entertaining to to watch, you know. Yeah. Just just don't expect to have any fun character moments or yeah. anything like that. But uh, yeah, it was it was something. Yeah. So after that, I got kind of on a kick because I remember just how uh, one of the things I did. I think the first like month of the pandemic was I watched a bunch of action and superhero movies just for what it just kind of happened. Um, and my wife got on a kick. And I remember just sort of it provided some weird amount of buoyancy, like amidst all the stuff, you know. And so we watched Justice League together, and then I, it sort of was like it was good, but not quite enough to like make me feel like I was satiated, you know, on that side of things. And so we started watching uh, other movies, and I was, had this hilarious moment on Saturday where I sent a note to Adam Seth, and I was like, "Hey, my wife and I are going to watch the first uh, Lord of the Rings. We're going to you know get back into." Lord of the Rings, it's it's going to be amazing. Well, I specifically I said was like I was so excited coming down off of a super of the superhero movie. Like, <laughs> I, like I want more of that, so I'm going to go watch Lord of the Rings. Yeah, when you when you said that, I was like, oh no, I don't think this is. I don't think he remembers what it is, <laughs> which was actually very true because for whatever reason, I like my mental model of how those movies play out is uh, probably more like a modern, more modern version of those. Uh, generally kind of more action focused or storytelling movies uh, where it's not so damn slow. So we watched, I think we watched the first 30 minutes of it. And then both of us were like, are you bored? She's like, yeah, bored. And then we watched 300 instead, which was excellent. So many abs, not a hobbit in sight. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Way Beans. more abs than Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah. That's real. I realize that's, that's all that's I a missed, turned out. Yeah. Know? That's a missed opportunity because Lord of the Rings has so many elves. 
and you're just and just no abs mm-hmm. at all. It's not abs. Well, you know, like when they when they refer to it as the Snyder cut, they're talking about how cut all the abs are. Right? That's true. They, yeah, because three hundred is also a Snyder movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's what we realized he, afterwards? We finished yeah. it. Zack Snyder's name popped up, and I was like, "What, Zack? Yeah. Oh, Zack, you little <laughs> devil! Here you are, getting me back." <laughs> And then uh, last night we watched the Titanic, which I haven't seen since I think I was, what, 12 or some shit. Titanic, also a Snyder movie. Just abs everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's how you – because the ship gets cut right in half yep. and that's one of the <laughs> Snyder cuts. Yep. Uh, it was fantastic and also absolutely horrifying. I forgot because it, they, they don't use CGI for all that flooding stuff, which I forgot was like the reason it was such a big deal was because it was like – yeah, this guy rebuilt the Titanic and then blew it up. And then flooded it. With like hundreds of people <laughs> on it and you get to watch this happen. Uh, and I forgot how like genuinely really good and absolutely terrifying the thing is as a catastrophe movie. Like as a, you know, uh, one of those. And so it was very fun, but very sad. Terribly sad. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it if you're feel sad but like really yeah, good it's, it's kind of different than like the superhero style <laughs> yeah it do, doesn't end well but i'll spoil that for you just yeah end so too well so you kind of bounced around right because you were like justice league hell yeah i'm amped and then you went to lord of the rings and you're like wow this is very slow mm-hmm. like very slow flip back around 300 let's kick let's kick this guy into a well yep. let's go to the hot gates which they're hot because of all of the abs yep and then and then it's right back into the cold, icy murder waters of the Arctic. Yeah, it's been an adventure. And I tell you what, the realization that I haven't seen any of the Captain America movies also happened uh, this week. Which so is horrifying. Gotta, apparently. you got to see them. you got to see So I got to get on that. This I got that, got that coming up scheduled, you know. As you're doing it, try to, try to remember Justice League. Because this is the game my wife and I were, trying, were playing, which is why I need, to, need her to watch it. Because uh, there's this question of like, what is it? Like, what is the mm. difference between how these movies, because like the budget's the same, like the quality of like what you're looking at is basically the same. Right. Uh, and their, their origin of like all these things is like fifties comic books competing with each other. They're just copying mm. each other's shit. They're all the same shit. Right. So like, why is it that like when I watch a Marvel movie, I'm just like, and even like, and they're not all great. Some of them are pretty fucking medium, right? And uh, and I don't like care that much about all the characters. But even still, every single Marvel movie I've watched, I'm like, I'm into the character. I want to know what they're doing and why. And I, I have a theory. And it just doesn't happen in the DC movies. I have a theory. Uh, I think Marvel is to DC as World of Warcraft is to EverQuest. That okay. doesn't help me at all, but. So, <laughs> so EverQuest was, you know, the, the, the MMO from the like late 90s, early 2000s mm-hmm. that was incredibly – that had a very dedicated fan base. Uh, but it was also incredibly grindy and just not really a great experience. They had weird stuff in there like if you died, you would lose a level and then you'd have to go level up again. But they didn't have quests or, or anything. So you would like just grind a new level back to get back like it's just it's just terrible. Mm-hmm. And so uh but at the same time uh it was one of the only games in town for a while in its domain and it developed a big following. So a lot of people played it and they built it around like as a hobby and they became very familiar with the lore of the world and stuff like that. Then uh Blizzard comes in with World of Warcraft and Blizzard is basically saying 
conceptually, this idea is cool, but the execution is terrible, and we want to make it accessible. Mm. Like we want to we want to shave off all the rough edges and make it so that you don't have to be like an incredibly knowledgeable gamer, or you don't have to have all these punishing mechanics or whatever, and and you can just get in there and and just enjoy it, you know, as its own thing. And I feel like a lot of the thing that happens in the DC movies is they're kind of depending on you already being excited about everything that's happening in the DC universe and have a a good sense of the backstory. Like there's a threshold. So Adam, you're talking about this. Apparently there's this dude named Martian Manhunter, yeah. which 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 uh spoiler, appears, I guess. Yeah, which could be a spoiler, except like it's so well, weird. Uh, well, he, so th- so apparently yeah. this dude has no bearing on the story. No. And when I was re- and when I was reading about the Snyder Cut, the the presence of this character was mentioned multiple times as as being really exciting and a big deal, right? Um, mm. because of the fact that apparently this character is 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 known by mega fans of the DC Comics universe. Um, as somehow being important or interesting, right? But if you aren't already on the inside of that, then mm-hmm. that character is completely blocked off to you as something that matters. And then, yeah, and that right? happened, re- happens repeatedly throughout, like that throughout, throughout this movie specifically. Because the other DC movies, like I don't feel like don't even seem to be referencing anything. They're just kind of their own thing. But this one did, and every single it felt like they were drawing attention to the fact they were making a reference that I was supposed to know about. Right. Yeah, exactly. That I didn't right. know about, so, which was so very DC different movies, than, yeah, than the Marvel movies. So yeah, I think DC movies are good if you are already bought into the idea that's the thing, that is, I don't everything think that, that happens is cool. <laughs> right. But I don't even think that that's true though. Cause I think it's that the characters in these movies just have, they all have one dimension and it's yeah. not an interesting one. I think their characters are just flat. Their characters are just well, fucking flat. So even if you're that, excited about the idea of Batman, then when you go watch their Batman and like, and his character doesn't make any sense and like, doesn't seem to be a, like everything seems like a prop. It doesn't feel like a, like a real person is there, you know? But it's also the case that every DC character has the same dimension, which is dad issues. Yes, that's also- yeah, I will say it's, that's, that's one thing to keep an eye on. If you if you do take the Snyder Cut for a spin, just just bathe in the sheer volume of uh, dad problems that every single character that graces the screen has. Every single one. I'm talking villains, good guys, randos on the street. Just everybody's like yeah. daddy. It's their entire everyone's entire motivation. If if. If you can f- detect a motivation at all, which is also pretty rare, but when you can, it comes down to daddy issues of some mm-hmm. sort. Yeah. yeah. In the and uh, so- in the end, like one of the bad guys, like well, I'm trying to avoid spoilers, right? One of the bad guys, like uh, who has had no bearing on the story, like uh, suddenly becomes free, and and then and then reveals a plot that I guess is for the next movie. Uh, <laughs> but but as as if like there's but there's no reason for it. He's just like he's just like now we're going to kill some, you know, entity. Right. But like, but why though? Right. Like why, why was this the thing he wanted to, and it's all presented as if like, this is interesting and exciting or whatever, except there's no, there's no reason for it. But anyway, mm. I said, I wasn't going to get into it. Don't get into it. Adam. I'm not going to get back. into it. Hold but again, again, if you were a mega fan of the DC universe, you might already know who that person is, who maybe. he's going to go. Yeah. Kill. Maybe this reveals storylines and maybe like there's motivations from the comic book that you can be like, well, I already know saying. why he's doing it. So like, so this can be an empty vessel character that doesn't actually teach the audience anything because I can lean I on my Seth, we gotta walk away from this. You're getting him wound up. We gotta go. Yeah. All right. Let's get <laughs> out of here and let's let's talk about books. Let's let's take a whole 180. Let's get out of movies. the written word. Uh, 
so Sam, you mentioned this morning that you believe that you need to stop reading, yes. and I really want to know more about what the hell this means. So, <laughs> well, so I think I think we talked about this uh, maybe in 2018, 2019, which explains why you can't remember. It was a while; it was a hot second ago, and in pandemic yeah. time, that's like who knows a decade. So, so I noticed something interesting, which was uh, which is like. I think there's, I think people, depending on a person, depending on how you've, what you've grown up with, uh, maybe what classes you took, what you're exposed to as a kid, whatever else. I think people have a de- have a default expression language, right? So uh, a lot of the artists that I've met who have been doing art, like these people who are like, oh, I've been drunk since I was a four-year-old or whatever, right? Um, their default mode of, of Expressing some stuff oftentimes is actually is actually visual, like through pictures, right? And yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, in my case, it was through uh, through writing and reading, right? So uh, wrote a lot as as a, as a youngster, and also uh, even all the way up through you know into into our even uh, as an oldster, as an oldster, it's just kind of like it's it's been my go to thing to do. And uh, the pair with that is uh, is reading too. So like I if I if I have a feeling where I'm like oh I want to go explore something quote unquote. Or I want to go, uh, like, I want to go have a time. You know, uh, my default actually is is to read a book of some sort. And back in 2018 and 2019, when I started getting, or when I started getting more serious about doing my art uh, and practicing my artwork and stuff, I had this feeling that that uh, that I needed to essentially make space for it by pairing back, you know one of these other activities that I do and reading slash writing being the, the primary one that also is kind of a, a creative engine or this thing that kind of fills me up a bit uh, seemed to be the one that like a good target to try. And what I noticed was that uh, the year that I had pulled back and read like half as many books as usual was the year when I actually was able to start like really consistently getting into art stuff and also hitting some of those places where art was becoming sort of a second expression form for me. Hmm. Um, and so the way I describe it is it's like, we, we talk on the, on the podcast about how if you want to do a thing, a new thing, uh, the most important question to ask is what you're going to stop doing, right? Or what are you going to do less? Because actually like, that's the only thing that – Yeah, you can't just add stuff because yeah. it's already, you're already filled up. Yeah. And and what I've noticed is that uh, – so since – I don't know. I, I finished up a class in December or so and then uh, I've done sort of fits and bursts of extra sort of studies and things like that uh, in, in my spare time um, – for fun, but it hasn't been nearly as intense as it was last year. And I was sort of musing about this over the weekend and realized that the, the timeline for all this stuff has matched up perfectly with me joining two book clubs. Uh, that oh. I've been doing monthly. Um, so a lot of my spare time. You got to get, get out of those. I think I do. Because again, a lot, of my, get out of there. <laughs> a lot of my spare time has been going to uh, to read books, which like is, again, is good. But I think what it does for me is it gives me this sort of, uh, like it, it fills me up creatively. Somehow, like I get, cause I, I don't know, but I know we've talked on the podcast. Like I can't read a book in order to go to sleep. Like I, that just, yeah, it gets you too amped up. Yeah. Even if it's, I had the one that I thought was the most boring book ever, which is this like problem solving methodologies for groups that was written in like the fifties. It's like charred weird book I found. Um, <laughs> and like charred, it was like, I still have it. It's like, it looks like it has been through some shit. Like, I don't know. And you found it. So I'm imagining like there was an abandoned building and you snuck in there and, and there's this light glinting off this strange old. Is there some sort of a sigil that, that glowed briefly when you picked it up and then 
and then that same sigil appeared on your chest and glowed yeah. briefly, and then and you never saw it. But you actually didn't notice, you know, but the camera did, the camera, like we noticed, the audience. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, and now Sam is team building exercise man, a new DC Comics. Yeah, hero. well, I mean the the hero has to reject the call, right? So like that's just what I'm doing real hard right now with that. Yeah, one. Just yeah, throwing that, that makes book sense. Um, Step yeah. one. But even with that, which is dry, I mean dry. The problem is, is if anybody has good ideas in these books, then like I start thinking about how we can use them for all of our stuff, right? So uh, I can't really read books to go to sleep, um, and so I think more. By and large, kind of the reason I wanted to bring it up was this this idea of like there's oftentimes like a, a sort of a background form of of kind of filling up your creative tank or something that actually does give you some some uh, some of that sense of making stuff or participating mentally in that in that kind of creative pursuit. And it was a weird. It's been a real. It was a weird realization for me a couple of years ago when I realized that this was part of the trick that I needed to pull myself. Uh, and it wasn't any any less weird again. Uh, where I was like, oh shit, like, yeah, I just need to pull back my reading in order to draw more, which doesn't sound like it should be paired. And it's not even well, a time thing. Like I have the time to do both. Truthfully, I do. Uh, it's just that it's sort of like a filling the tank with one gas versus a different gas sort of a thing. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think generally the point is that given that you can't just add, you always have to take away the assumption with a, with a, with a claim like that, when you're trying to organize your time, is to identify the things that are wasting your time and cut those out. Yes. And add in things that add, that quote unquote, add value to your time, mm-hmm. right? Um, but in, re- in reality, you may need to cut other things that add value to your time. And in fact, your time may already be filled to the brim with things that have value of some sort, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Hopefully not, because I mean, you got to be wasting time somewhere. You got to. You got to. Come on. You got to. It's the most fun mm-hmm. way to spend well, your but time. Then, but then you're not wasting it as soon as you're having fun because there's your Damn value it. So <laughs> get you. Uh, yeah. So so if you're going to take away from something, the, the whole idea that like, oh, you, you just got to find that thing that you like, spend a little less time like, you know, making dinner, spend a little less time doing or social media chore, or you know, fuck, right? being yeah. on social media or whatever. Yeah. And, and yeah, sure. Absolutely. Like you could cut out of those spaces, but that might not be sufficient. It might not be right because it might be that there are there are values that in some way compete with each other. Yes. You know? So, I, well, I like sense. the the mode of thinking about this as um, your brain is like a, it's a it's a pattern machine, mm-hmm. right? Whatever you make it do, it tr- it just kind of churns on that thing and tries to figure out ways to do it better. It learns, you know. It's just about time. It's just about exposure. So whatever you spend a lot of time doing, you it changes the structure of your brain. Mm-hmm. It, it makes you better at that thing and it makes you think using that activity as sort of a lens to through which you look at other things, right? And so, so if you think about it just in terms of what do you want to be good at? Mm-hmm. Do you want to be good at Watching movies? Do you want to be good at reading? Mm-hmm. Do you want to be good at browsing Facebook news feeds? <laughs> uh, because whatever you spend your time in, your brain starts to optimize its its neural networks to, you know, do that thing mm-hmm. really well, right? And importantly, like, uh, I think what I was getting at too with that is that is that there's you can get the same kind, the same type of fulfillment out of different activities, and so sometimes if you want 
if you want to switch one of those out, it's not, or I guess it may not be possible to add an additional similar type of acti- activity in. You might have to swap, which was sort of the weird one for me because it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it didn't, didn't at the time. Still feels a little weird to say. I mean, it, I feel like that makes sense for hobbies because hobbies have a cost, right? Which is the the mental effort and all, all, and the the barriers to entry, all the things that take it. So that there's a cost to get it started and to like mm-hmm. do the work and so on. Um, it has a value to it, right? But it has a cost as well, and uh, and it's hard to then have just do two things now that both have a cost, right? And I think. Hobbies are, if if I would describe this as that, right, mm-hmm, sure. is a good example of that. Because, like, yeah, if you if you like are already writing as a hobby, right, and then at some point you're like, mm, I want to start programming too, right, or you say, Ooh, I want to start woodworking or whatever the fuck, right. Uh, then now, and you're like, okay, I'm going to set aside like I have an hour I can carve out, and that's not even a problem. So you do it, right, and now you have instead of like one hour each evening doing one of those things, now you're taking two hours, one each, you know, for these two things. Then all of a sudden you have twice the cost, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so sure. Te- in principle, also twice the enjoyment, but, but how costs actually affect you depend on the order in which things happen and how much cost you've accrued already for just your efforts of trying to do things throughout the day. So you can't just add, you can't just add cost, you know, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't do that because it, it makes it so that future costs are actually more expensive. You know? Right, because if you're like, okay, I, I, I'm going to just add woodworking in. You know, normally, I sleep at 11, but uh, I'm just going to add woodworking in from 11 to midnight, and I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll just sleep at midnight now instead. Uh, and then you want to maybe learn guitar. Well, you could squeeze that in from midnight to one. Just keep adding stuff. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't you know? what I was saying. But or, that's or you just keep also. compounding, keep you know, collapsing the space so that each activity gets less uh, stuff. Well, I think, I mean, I think between what, them, it's what harder. I'm saying, and I think where I'm, where I'm getting at is, is not is not on the time based aspect of it, yeah. but on the on the value extraction aspect of it, which is it's saying, on the, like, given the same hours, what are you doing with that time? What is its cost and what is its value? Yeah, which like there might there might literally be the case that say that that essentially giving yourself the value from one activity may sort of snuff out your interest in getting the value. Well, I think it's, I think it increases the cost of a subsequent activity, right? Mm-hmm. And therefore decreases its relative value because if you sure. if you spend an hour writing and then want to follow that up with an hour programming or whatever, right? Uh, there's the the cost of the, the the mental overhead that went into that prior task makes it so that now there's a task switching cost. There's there's a whole bunch of costs that go in, and also just you're tired now. You've been using your brain a bunch, right? And so so and it's harder to go deep into something. It's harder to go deep. There's just less mm-hmm. value you can get if you start stacking things, right? Um, and so you. So what you're saying is whole ass one thing. Don't half ass two yeah. things. Yeah, and I think yeah, you could switch off things thing. cyclically, you know, if you need to. But uh, but I think it's. At least for me, it's sort of again that recognition, like okay, yeah, I need to pull pull back on the books in order to do what I want on the the art side, you know. And that's fine. Yeah. This is what it is. Well, I'm curious to hear, uh, you know, how you feel about that, and keep you posted a month or two months. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. If you'd like to get your question onto a future episode, just go there and do a question in there, and then you know, vote. And then there's a one in fifty chance that we will answer it. Does that sound about but, right? Uh, that sound about but but right? 
the the questions get voted up, you know, Reddit style. And so if you write a good question that other people like, you mm-hmm. have a higher chance. <laughs> that's true. That's absolutely true. Actually, true. If you write a good question, it's a hundred percent guarantee. Hundred percent guarantee. Yeah. We've only ever answered good questions. Yep. Uh, and the ones we haven't answered were just were bad. I Except for all the ones the, that you, <laughs> like the specific listeners listening, right? Yeah. You. Your question was great. Was we just great. haven't got around to we it. Just yet. haven't. <laughs> got around to it. Everybody else, though, <laughs> everybody else is though were terrible. Not Heist yours though. Fo- no, yours is great. Yours is great. Yeah. Highest up foot a question <laughs> comes from Balbus Whispit, who says, "Howdy, my Balbus Whispit. Balbus Whispit. That's, which that's is not probably the our, best. That's not one of our names, is it? One of the Rumpus." Doesn't sound uh, like no. Oh, no. That's, that's their own weird ass name. I love yeah, it. Yeah, and and it's literally H W I S, like Whispit, <laughs> uh, uh, which I love everything about this name. And yep. we need to figure out if we can, you know, take it and make a brubus out of it or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless it's actually a real person's name from like a language I've In never which heard case, before. Either way, I love the name. Apologies for calling it a weird ass name. I love it. It's amazing. I've never heard anything like it. Uh, Howdy. My partner and I recently started production on our first big game. Big is in quotes here, so I don't know what that means, but we'll find out. Mm. Uh, It's been a couple weeks now, and we're sort of exiting the honeymoon phase, something I've always been hopelessly attached to on any projects I've done in the past. What does 2021 B-Scotch recommend for maintaining vision and enthusiasm when working with ideas that can't possibly all fit in your head at once? Mm. Thanks. Yeah. Tricky, tricky. If you uh, if it's been a couple weeks and you're already out of the honeymoon phase, then this is way too big. It may it be too big. Like, it sounds like to me. Yeah, well, we, I mean, we did this, right? Because we, with Crashlands 2, um, we have a giant design document full of ideas. Um, I think it was two months of mm-hmm. iteration on core concepts and whatnot. And what we found as we've been working on the game is that every one of those ideas misses the mark somehow because Mm -hmm. everything is context dependent. As you start developing the game, uh, as you start implementing your first idea, you know, the first thing that you think is important for the game, you learn more about that concept and, and you learn more about how other ideas you have will relate to it. And those things change. Everything cascades because it's all connected. Uh, so our thinking on this is often that uh, the ideas are really just a jumping off point and then a touchstone to kind of refer back to to compare where you're at with with the vision and and generate you know, more ideas. But there's not really a a point where the honeymoon phase ends in that style of development because you're always just stumbling into new interesting. There just ideas. is no honeymoon phase. You know, it's not. Yeah, the, it's all one phase, which is a sort of it's doing uh, the next in my, interesting thing. Yeah, in my GDC talk, you know, we called it "Design by Chaos," which is the idea of now that you've got an idea of what would what would be cool, you know, mm-hmm. to have in your game, all the big ideas, all the cool stuff. Um, now it's just iteration time. So, so pick the next the next cool thing that you think would work well, given what the game currently is. Or so if you know if you know the overall contour of what you're going for. Try to think through, try to think through what the next piece is that if you put down, will be the most important to put down now, given the context 
that's as the most as impactful. English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you think about it in the frame in the framework of of if I wanted to hand this game to to somebody next week uh, and have them play it, what would be the most important thing for me to add right now to make that work? Mm-hmm. Right to make the game fun, to make it interesting. What's the next mechanic? What's the next system? Does the UI look like crap? Does it feel bad to you know like use my abilities or whatever it is? Are the animations missing? Um, if there's stuff that you see that as you're playing the game that's just bothering you, that obviously feels like it's missing or whatever, just focus on on that, and and it, you'll iterate your way toward the vision. And what you'll find is that when the game is quote done, meaning it's time to release it you haven't implemented 19 out of 20 of the things mm-hmm. from your original division, but you've also implemented 20 totally different things uh, or maybe even slightly different things. When we released Crashlands, we actually had a, we had a, we used Workflowy to organize our tasks at that time. And we had, I believe 300 something yep. unfinished f- features in that list that we thought needed to go into the game. And once we got the game into players' hands and started getting feedback and they just were having a great time with it, and sure, there were thousands of bugs and other you know, mechanical problems we had to fix, but we kind of realized that it's great. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be cool if we could get those other 300 things in the game, but we don't need to, to do that. So, um, so I, I do think that optimizing for the best playable experience right now and making it so that you would be excited to show the game to someone or to hand it to someone keeps you in that highly volatile kind of fun iterative phase for a lot longer. I think there's even a more generalizable sort of concept here because, because what what you're getting at is, is actually the, the, the core question here, which is why, why are you, why are you falling out of the honeymoon phase? Right. Yes. Why? Uh, it's because you're not having fun doing the work, right? That's the only reason you would. Stop, Which again, we right? did exactly this with crash lights too. Yeah. So, so the question you have to ask. So, the, so the real question here is, why aren't you having fun doing the work? It could be because you have this enormous design do- document, this huge project you want to make with this big dream of what it's going to be. You're so far from that, you can't even imagine that. Like every step feels like you've made no progress, and it just feels exhausting. Right. That could be it. So. How do you solve that problem, right? And so, design by chaos, the iterative approach that Seth's talking about is, is a great way to chip away at a problem um, by changing its shape. So it's no longer here's this balloon I have to fill up. It's oh, here's the next cool thing to do, and let's do that, right? Uh, another part is the developer experience, right? Because mm-hmm. you have moment to moment work, whether you're writing or drawing or. Uh, or programming, um, or designing, or sticking levels together, whatever it is you're doing, uh, most of your time spent is doing some kind of like, just like moment to moment work. You know, it, it's using some skill that you have to make the product come into existence. Um, why isn't that just already fun? Mm-hmm. You know, because if that was already fun, it wouldn't even matter what you were making. You could still have a good time making it. And if it didn't matter what you were making, you can eventually realize any dream of a thing that you want to make because. That's just You'll the, just that's just the consequence of you working, you know, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So so if you start working backwards and figure out just why why, why aren't you, you having, having a good, a good time? time? Yeah. Like what's the real reason, you know? Well, this is honestly this blows my mind uh in general because this is something that I think like Sam and I were 
kind of musing about this last week, but that uh, that the games industry in particular is is really notorious for having a terrible employee experience, yeah. a terrible work experience. Um, and this is the industry where literally our job is to create structures and systems to elicit emotional responses from players. Intentional ones. Intentionally. And we can get whatever response we want, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's if, if we have designed the game well, then we can make the player feel a certain way at a certain time. Play you like a fiddle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We want, we want you to feel uh, invested in something. We have ways to do that. We want you to make you feel sad about a character. We can do that. We want you to feel attached or joyful or upset even or frustrated. Uh, we can do any of those things, and it's all systemic. It's all just systems and mechanics that we've designed uh, to, to have you interact with, and boom, the response is generated, right? And so when we think about our work, we try to think about it the same way, which is that whatever experience you're having, good or bad, it's a systemic situation. Well, and it's and it's just another design problem. Yeah. It's another yep. design problem. Yeah. So you need to think about what structures and systems are you interacting with on a day-to-day basis and in ways your of thinking, work, right? And yeah. framing and like and and just the understanding of what it is that you're trying to do in the first place because by because what you're doing and your goals are not the same thing, right? Um because the thing that you do in the moment, like that's the actual thing that you do. And that somehow needs to be the thing that where every structure that you've assembled around it, every way of thinking around it is what allows you to do that because that's what allows you to have that end result that you're looking for. I think a a cool example is that for the longest time when Sam was making his art, uh, he would have to finish an asset and then he would manually export that thing into Dropbox and then I would go find it and then import it into the game. And it just, it made it so that, that it was, especially tedious and costly to update or refactor or revise Mm -hmm. art assets. So we had a tendency to sort of take a one and done approach, right? Make it, make an asset, put it in the game. Don't look at it or touch it again because it's just in there. It's real annoying to deal with, especially if there's like more than one frame involved. So yeah. Um, And then Adam developed uh, an automatic export and automatic import tool and suddenly, the art is a lot easier to generate, so we can have more of it. It's easier to get into the game, so we can have more of it. And it's easier to update, so we can improve it over time if we're not satisfied with how it looks in the game. And now it's just more fun and freeing to talk about the art, to give feedback about it, to generate it, all that and, stuff. And to do it iteratively. And to, and to iterate on stuff. Um, and, and we – Sam – uh, in the past would have this um, pretty strong reaction to feedback about his mm-hmm. art. And, you know, we, it's something that he could probably speak more on, but it was, it was always something that bothered him that he would like be that upset about somebody saying, Hey, you need to update like this, this art asset. Yeah. And it's like you want to have that be your reaction to your colleagues requesting. Yeah. If somebody ah. says, Hey, that, Hey, I think this thing could look better. And you might even agree, you know, but, but you find yourself being mad about it anyway. Mm-hmm. 
Well, well part of what you have to do to make it look better is the, a bunch of chores now. You know, yeah, it's not just like, like go do a bunch yeah. of work, and you're like, yeah, uh, but it, it sucks doing that particular work. It sucks yeah, a lot. And the thing is, you're not having fun. You know, you're, you're it's 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 a chore. It's it's tedious, um, and it's it's just a structural problem. It's a tools problem at that point. And so, if you're thinking about wanting to feel a different way about your work about what it is that you do, then you, you got to think like a game designer. You got to focus on the work itself. You know? Focus on the work. Uh, focus on all, all, all the details. No, leave no stone unturned. What is it that you are doing moment to moment? What is it that you're doing as a routine at the start of each day, at the end of each day? What are you focusing on? Like all, all these things are up for grabs. Um, and I think you'll find that if you start thinking about yourself as the player of a game, where the game is your work, Right, and you're the game designer. Then you'll you'll start to see things that you're just like, I've created a terrible experience for my player here, yep. <laughs> which is me. Uh, maybe I sh- maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should do something else. And I, I can't uh, I can't even state I think how how important the idea that you should be having a good time is, and how weirdly missing it is from just about every work environment that exists. But when you really start examining your work and your processes and stuff through that lens, which is like uh, if if someone complains about a thing, can we make it so that they never have to deal with that again or so that they can actually be having a good time while doing that particular aspect of the work? And not just by force of will. Like quit relying on force of will for stuff. It's just wildly inappropriate, frankly. And like it just makes you sad over time. So if you can answer that question, like how can this be – how can this be fun – and, rec- and, and like I said, like dive into the design aspects of it in the same way you would a game. Uh, you should be able to find at least some levers to pull to to make your life more like the honeymoon phase, just kind of all So the time. I have kind of a tangential s- story from last night, actually, which is kind of related to this idea that like you could be doing the exact same activity uh, as you were before, but because of some tweak to your tooling – or some tweak to your approach or whatever, something that was kind of hard and confusing and not that fun suddenly becomes a great time. So my wife uh, picked up World of Warcraft during the pandemic, and she's never been a, a gamer in, in the past. And it's a complicated game. Yeah. You, know, you, pick up, you pick up a new character and you go look at a guide, and, and, you, and the guide is like, here's how you do good damage as – a demon hunter, which is what she plays. And it'll just be this just long, this long priority list, you know, of conditions. It'll be like, if this is true, then use this ability. But if not, then fall back to this other ability. And it just keeps going. It'll be like 14 things long, right? And as a – even as a, as a really good, experienced, attentive player, trying to keep that many priorities in your head is li- just literally impossible. Mm-hmm. You, you can't. And, uh, but it is the case that to do the best damage, you need to do that priority, right? And, uh, she and I had been running dungeons and doing some activities in the game just over the past months. And I could tell that she was always kind of middling about it. You know, she wasn't feeling very good about how well she was doing and she felt like she was being a drag on the group. And, but also she didn't know how she could get better. Right, because it's just too it's too many things happening, 
And so uh, last night I just put together this little simple UI add-on that would just show her the next ability to use to do good damage. So she no longer had to think about this giant stack of priorities. Mm-hmm. So I put this thing together. I was like, do you want to try it out? Do you want to go, do you want to go do a dungeon? And she's like, do you want to do sure. <laughs> so we jump into a dungeon and she is just wrecking people on the, on the, on the damage meters. Like she's doing like 30, 40% more damage than the next person. And the whole time we're in there, she's just beaming, just grinning. And she's like, this is crazy. <laughs> this is amazing. Right. And she, so suddenly she's, you know, we're doing the same stuff, mm-hmm. but now that she feels like she actually gets it and she is getting good results and, and can do stuff that you couldn't do before without having to, you know, work so hard. She's not and doing suddenly, chores and the mental overhead is reduced. Yeah. And yeah. suddenly it's super fun. And all it was, was just, just add a little tool that takes a bunch of the cumbersome thinking away. But every other thing is the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not just right? about tools. Like, the fact is like every moment of your day, you're doing something. Something's happening. Like maybe you're just sitting there. That's still doing something, right? Maybe you're thinking about something. But still, like every moment you're doing something, and I guarantee you that 99.99% of those things that you're doing, you've never thought about why or why that way, right? Yep. And most of those things that you are doing are done because of some external system that has trained you that that's the way it is to be done or that it has to be done in the first place. And why would you question that? You can't question everything. It takes too much time, right? Like you don't even think to question. It's a lot of work. Right? It's a lot of work. <laughs> and, uh, and it's – and it's it's an idea that there are things that that you're doing that just don't match your actual needs. They don't line up, and they may make sense for some other needs, which is why you even knew about them in the first place, right? And they may make sense for the average needs of you know people out in the world and their circumstances, or or the needs from people a hundred years ago, and we're now just still kind of doing the same thing approximately because of the issues that they had, and that's just turned into like a the cultural phenomenon that we now adhere to. Yeah. Right? You're just doing stuff. You're just doing just, stuff. We've always um, done this. Weird it's like, stuff like you're this. basically in a DC movie, right? You're just, <laughs> you're just doing stuff. None stuff of it makes is sense. just kind of happening. Stuff's you know? kind of <laughs> happening. Nobody's thought through any of it. Right. Uh, and, These movies uh, are so real. They're so grounded. Yeah. Your, your motivations are totally one dimensional. Yeah, right. like, I don't know. This is just how I do this it. This is just how I do it. I'm so, just evil. Yeah. Okay. So you got to walk yourself out of being a DC <laughs> character, you know, and try to sort of that. Cause like every little fucking thing, it turns out, um, if you think about it, you'll, you, and you start to like really just ask the question is like, what, why, why is this the way it is? Why, when you hear like things should be a certain way, you know, why? What is, how does it line up with – Should they though? With the reality of your experience. And it, it's stuff like – I talked about this in my the last week's uh, new, a newsletter quite a bit, so I won't go way into it here. Just um, subscribe to the dev chat. Just subscribe to it and read it. But the, yeah. but the short of it was I, I realized that something as simple as the concept that like, oh, like my wife and I have to have dinner together in the evening, right? And that's like our touchstone for like a social thing. That moving that to lunch – Right, like moving that thing to lunchtime, because of our family unit and who we are as people, and the fact that we have ADHD and all these other things, like that made sense, and there was and there was a rationale for it. And in fact, the dinner thing was directly oppositional to just to, how uh, to our family and how we each of our brains work and having yeah. a good time, and that we had unintentionally because we just hadn't thought about it been following a cultural tradition that is supposed to be like a, you know, a standard bearer of you, like representing that you are a strong family unit, right? Uh, just like adhering to it blindly without realizing that it was actually creating problems, right? Yeah. 
And then something as simple as like, we just realized that by talking and then just switched it to lunch. Like nothing interesting. There's nothing interesting about that. We just swapped those two things. Right. And all of a sudden, like every day was just so easy. And all of our interactions were much better. Lunch was fucking great. Like everything was just Everything you was nice. Better, you get right? a nice break in the middle of the day now. You know, you, yeah, everything was everything great. Everything fits better. And because we designed, like, we actually looked at the thing as a design problem and asked, like, what is the point of this? Right. What does it, what does it do? And what do we need? And then how do these things line up or not? And how, how do we get the benefits but change the costs? Right. Um, and you can do that with anything, just everything. Yeah. And the general <laughs> point, too, is that the, you know, the processes that you adopt from, from anywhere else that you haven't yet redesigned for yourself are always ill-fitting. Always. Yeah, which is, it which might be is a also bit. every process you have. Just. Yeah, right. And it might be a little bit <laughs> or it might be a, like a fuckload, right? And I think a lot of the difficulty in, in basically getting your design goggles on is just being able to see the things that you do have the chance and the opportunity to modify uh, and that you can, again, empower yourself to say like, I'm here to have a good time. Like we are here to have a good time. And I don't mean that in the hedonic sense of like, you know, just be drunk all the time, whatever else. I mean, in the sense of like, while you're doing stuff, that you're enjoying the stuff you're doing and you have, you, energy, know, this, you know, throughout the day. It kind of makes me, you guys know about food journals? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how that's like, that's one of the best ways for somebody to improve their diet is to just literally just like write down the stuff yep. that you eat. There must be a similar approach of, I think they just call it a journal. Yeah, I think it's just called <laughs> a journal. Uh-huh. But, but, but a specific way of journaling, which is to say, and this this was this would be something that you'd probably only have to do for a little while, maybe just like a week. But just throughout your day, whenever you change activities or go do something, just write down what you're doing, when you're doing it, and why you think you're doing that thing. Mm-hmm. You know, just 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 get. It's like the the Marie Kondo, like get everything out of the closet. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, yeah, but it, yeah, even that process of just trying to even identify the stuff that you're doing because so much of it you just do, you know, it's just completely unconscious, uh, would be a very, a very empowering, you know, th- thing to do. Yeah. Just to, so if you just, if it's like, okay, you know, you wake up, maybe you wake up at, I don't know, 730. Why'd you do that? How? Yeah, so you wake up, you, first thing you, you do, do first thing you do is bust out your alarm clock. It's like, what did you do just now? I woke up at 730, you know, why? Why did you do that? And mm-hmm. how did that make you feel? <laughs> well, more importantly, you know, if you use an alarm clock, yeah, how, how was that experience of waking up? Was it terrible? Like yeah. I switched off alarm clocks a long time ago because I hate being yelled at to wake up. Fuck that. I'm not here for that. So like I have a I have one of those sun lamp things that yeah, like, I got one of those just too. gets bright. Works fine. Ours you have know? birds that chirp louder and louder over time. Yeah. Know? So it's just like slowly – so you slowly just chip away at all these things, you know, until every part of your day ideally has been examined. Uh, to ask that question of like, how, what is this? Why what is, is this? really going on here? And it can like, be uncomfortable, especially because you usually answer to somebody else too, right? Because, yep. because a lot of the reasons that you do things is because uh, we've all been trained that you're supposed to. And if you don't, then you're doing something bad or you're not showing support or you're not doing whatever, right? And sometimes there's truth to that, definitely. Uh, but the main thing is actually is that you still need to find out why. Because there's actually probably better ways to accomplish the same goals but it requires that you are able to ask the question. And sometimes what are the goals? What are the goals, right? And 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 often because we're all taught not to, you know, question things and that that asking questions about like emotional topics or whatever is is bad and implies something, right? So like so for example just asking like 
what is the point of family dinner, right? That sounds bad. That sounds like a bad thing to ask. It sounds like you don't want to have family dinner, right? That's pretty un-American, Adam, exactly, to ask yeah. a question and like so you that. Have to, you have to make sure that you can start in a space where you can make it clear when you're working with somebody now to figure figure out what you're doing and why uh, is to make it clear that you're not trying to get out of something. And you're not attacking anything. You're not attacking anything. You're trying to just understand why. Because with the the hope that there may be some way to make that thing better, right? It is kind of interesting that I think if you ask someone, what's the point of this? And it's a thing that like you are both doing, that there's almost always going to be construed as an attack. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, I think importantly, you shouldn't ask it like that. I don't know why you would. I would – like I would – if I – you know, if I had a oh, problem, that's what that's what I'm saying is you can't. Yeah, you can't. Like I mean, because if, of that. To Adam's point about the the family dinner thing, if it's if it's and me, and my wife actually had this before because like before the pandemic, you know, like we weren't hanging out all the time. Like I work from home now, so we hang out. Well, exactly, all the time. that changes things. Changes everything, right? Yep. And actually, in our in our uh, relationship, changed everything fantastically because like because they don't have the morning commute every morning. Every morning we go on like a 15, 20 minute walk around the neighborhood. Every single fucking day, rain, snow. Whatever. And th- just that extra bit of time has made it so – and the fact that I'm home and we we lunch together, uh, I'll see her during the day, you know, has made it so that the e- the pressure on the evenings to be these times yeah, where you connect, yep. right, is gone, completely gone. So in that case, then it becomes this thing where it's like before there was this – we always had to ask that question like, okay, how do we – you know, like I, I appreciate and I value the fact that you want to hang out, right? Uh I can't necessarily do that like as soon as I get home from a long work day after uh, commuting and shit, right? So how can we figure out like how to do this? And that's where we came up with like date nights, like structures, right? You get structures put in place so that everyone can get what they need, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can't ask those questions and you can't uh, approach it with that with that mindset of saying like, okay, what do we – You know, I, I know we've been doing this thing for a long time, family dinner, whatever. Uh, what are we trying – what are we really trying to get out of it? Are we getting that? What else are we getting that we don't want? And then given all is these there, things, is yeah, there a can, we, way? can we be smarties about it and, mm-hmm. you know, use our big brains and come up yeah. with something better? Well, and that, and that point of like you switched to, you know, work from home and all of a sudden like the the utility of that change, which is exactly mm-hmm. what happened for, for us too, right? Is like the purpose of that was, yeah, we were not – we didn't see each other all day. We were doing other stuff and so evening was the time we saw each other. So So there was now a structure in place, which was, okay – we make dinner and eat it and hang out and like don't do other things, right? Um, but yeah, as soon as we're working from home, that need is gone actually, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and now all of a sudden, we like the the way that it feels to then suddenly have to stop working. And you just saw like you just like we just saw each other and had a great chat like literally three hours earlier or whatever, right? And all of a sudden, I'm in the middle of something like, oh fuck, I got to stop mm-hmm. so I can go do this, right? And uh, yeah, it, it, it's a uh, Neither of us, and it was good. It was because we were, we didn't actually even explicitly realize why we were doing dinner and what it was, ser- what the purpose it was serving yeah. before we were working from home, right? And so then we just kept doing it after we started working from home, even though we you were just getting all de- of those values kinda, elsewhere. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You just kind of deceded your way into it. You know, you just, mm-hmm. you just did it because yeah. that's just what you do. Because it's too easy not to think about the stuff, and especially when it's stuff that you are supposed to do. Yep. Right? Yeah. Now I think though, I bet I bet some of our listeners can strongly relate to this if they've ever spent time in a country that has a very different culture than their home country. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Because there's a, there's a thing that always happens, which is when you first get there, you keep thinking, why are these people doing all these things like this? Mm-hmm. Why, why do – like one of the things that uh, I just really honed in on when I first spent time in India and it just like really – I just couldn't figure it out was that every truck has the phrase, horn, okay, please, painted, hand-painted on the back of it. Hmm. Like whenever somebody gets a new truck – they make sure that they get some paint and they paint horn okay please on the on the back of the truck and i started asking i'm like what does that mean and literally nobody knows <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of suspicion like people thought that okay might have meant on kerosene which was a, a original like fuel source for trucks which was more dangerous and it's like Hey, we're, this truck is on kerosene. If you're passing, use your horn so we make sure like uh, it's safer. Mm-hmm. Um, other people just thought that it just meant just in general to honk at the truck to make sure that it knows that you're behind it because mm-hmm. you're driving a lot closer in India. Nobody really knows, and I just kept. Yeah. And I, there, there were so many things that I just couldn't help but seize upon and just think this is so interesting. Like, why do they have uh, forty light switches in every room? And it's like every light switch it controls one specific thing in the room. Like this controls mm. that one outlet or this controls that other outlet, you know. Uh, and then after being there for a while, this thinking flipped, right? Yep. Which is like, why do we not have 40 light switches? <laughs> yes, right. Because it's fine both ways and each one gives you a different result, right? Yeah. If you've got 40 light switches, you're going to conserve a lot more power, but also it's annoying and none of them are labeled, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you but you learn it uh, over time. And, uh, and you could label them. Also, another thing that could happen also. Yeah. Uh, you can leave stuff plugged in and then you just flip the switch off whenever it's, you know, you don't need it anymore. And like, that's cool. Um, but yeah, it's, it, there, there's this moment of just because you are the one who's always been doing things a certain way. You have this inbuilt feeling that, like, that is just the way you do stuff, and well, that's I think the way not, you're supposed to do stuff. Yeah, well, I think, it's, yeah. I think it's it's even subtler than that because it's it's you don't even realize you're doing it, and that there would be alternatives, right? Yeah, because it's not even that you think like, oh yeah, this is how I do it, and this makes sense. It's that you are just doing stuff. You're just doing stuff. You're just you're doing just a stuff. DC character, right? You're yeah. just doing <laughs> stuff, and you don't eva- and yeah, and you don't think to evaluate it because like. It doesn't you're on, seem. It isn't. It's not on the table. Like it doesn't seem like a thing. exactly. Yeah, it's not it's a thing. Well, and, yeah. and it fits because everybody else is pretty much doing the same stuff. And it's the way you've always done it. And it's kind of like you know, if you if you go to a party and you're the one person who's not drinking, and people just can't help but notice and talk about it mm-hmm. and point it out to you and try to convince you that what you're doing is somehow weird, right? Um, but it's. The same the other way, in the sense that what every, what everybody's doing is weird, and everybody has their own reasons it's for all, it. I haven't, haven't thought about it. Um, yeah, it's all arbitrary. It's all completely it. arbitrary, and but it, it feels less arbitrary and more sensible if you're doing the thing that everybody's doing. Well, I think this right? is, the, and you don't, don't no, think again, it, feel, it feels like arbitrariness isn't even a factor because you're not thinking about the thing at all. It's just mm-hmm. the thing you're doing, right? You know. But I think this right. is my this is my question then for this 
my question for you guys from this question. Uh, yeah. Which is how do you see? How do you learn to see? You see it in conflict. How? What do you mean? What? Conflict is the, conflict is the discovery engine of, of, of things that you're just doing, right? So you're so saying like, if you're having a bad time, that's the sign that you could be having a good time. Yeah. That's that's the sign that there's a structural problem that you have not observed, right? And actually, it might be one you've observed and you know you're having a bad time, right? Because you can't always like you, you don't have enough control, right? There's a, there's a there's a there's a limited set of things that you control, but within mm-hmm. those things, uh, then and so so for example, like the fact was that for for now, like since we started work from home, like because uh, because my wife gets hangry, right? Which is a thing she can't control, right? Uh, I I have a lot of trouble winding the day down at the right time. Because like I'm in because I have hyper focus because I have ADHD and I'm always into the thing that I'm doing right so I'm always trying to get that last little fucking piece mm-hmm. fixed right and so like there's a window every evening of like by the time I get downstairs and by that time like Jenny's starving to death and she's not in a good mood I'm still yep. thinking about the other stuff that I've been doing all day right so and you're not so engaged I can't, at all I can't socialize yeah <laughs> and, like, and now this is supposed to be our time to like hang out and have a good social time together right yeah and so, so she's she's mad and you're absent yeah and so like so and neither of so like neither of us have had a good time basically doing this right. right and it wasn't like a horrible experience or anything it was just that it wasn't the experience at all that it was supposed to be and neither one of us were enjoying it right yeah but but instead of then and we and we knew that right so like you just, we felt you it have obviously, dinner. but yeah, we had dinner, dinner, right? So yeah. <laughs> so we, the problem was that we we identified the conflict because we didn't feel good, we felt bad, right? Mm. Um, but we didn't. And the same deal with me, like with my whole schedule for the day, I was like, I just noticed that like various aspects of my day just like made me anxious and like made me feel bad, right? And it took me basically the whole, whole like the past year before suddenly I was like, why though? Like, surely it doesn't have to be this way. You know, like I enjoy, like, cause it was that realization. I was like, I like the work that I do. I like my home. I love my wife. She's my favorite person. Right. So like, why, why are any of these things negative? There's no reason for there to be negativity here. Right. There must be a structural problem. And to me, so like, that's the, like, is I think it's impossible to be aware of a thing that is, you're not aware you could be aware of. Right. Uh, it's that you can be aware of conflict. Because you can be aware of when you feel bad, you feel anxious, you're mad at somebody, something isn't going the way you want, somebody isn't doing what you think they should yeah, be doing. Yeah, it's a good whatever, metric. It's like right? sort of the canary in the coal mine sort of thing, right? Exactly. That's the thing that you use to, to identify that something. Yeah. And it, it may take a lot of effort to then go backwards from that and figure out what the source is. This is basically what therapy is, right? Uh, it may yeah, take a lot much. of effort to go backwards and find that thing. Uh, but it's, that's the process by which you start to look at the things that could be the culprit and start to take things that were implicit and take all of those shoulds and turn them into whys, right? And try to figure out well, what Well, and think about this, are. though, because this I think this is really interesting because this kind of gets at a, one deeper level when it comes to relationships, which is there's kind of two ways to look at a, at a problem like this. So let's say, it just in more like generic terms, like if there is a a, a couple that like they've been having dinner like maybe maybe just pre-pandemic times, right? So like one of them comes home from work, but they both come home from work, they're having dinner, and and it's a suboptimal experience for both of them. Uh where like one of them is typically, I don't know, a disengaged or angry or frustrated or stressed out from work or whatever the case may be. Um and the conversation 
Well, for starters, that will that will tend to fester for a long time, right? Because mm-hmm. that's just how things go. And then finally, when the conversation comes up to try to deal with the fact that this is a, a bad time, it's so often discussed as a personal failing. Yeah, it's someone's fault. It's also, some, someone needs to try to feel a different way about something. Also, I think the worst yeah, part about right. it is the discussion usually happens during the thing that's not during that the good, thing. which is also yeah. the worst fucking time, right? Yeah, <laughs> but as, a, as opposed to saying, you know, I've noticed that, you know, during this time, like we're supposed to be having a good time and, and, and we're not. Uh, so what can we do to make this thing be a better time? Should we not do it? Should we do it at a different time? Should we do something else entirely? Well, I think, but I think that's even still yeah. focusing on the wrong part of the question because the, the, the real question is, why is this a bad time? Yeah. Because because you, yeah. now you're still starting with should because you're like we should be doing this and should be having fun. So how can right. we still do this but have we do but have fun but, doing it? But importantly, importantly, I think when it comes to the why, that's that's where kind of the 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 fork in the road is where people can either think about the why as a personal problem, right? Mm-hmm. As in like you need to stop feeling this way. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I want you to want to do the dishes, kind of a thing, right? Um, as opposed to to asking why in terms of the structures and the and the the concept like the the social systems that are potentially creating this scenario creating these feelings and thinking you know what do we what can we change about these systems right mm-hmm. uh, even like you said Adam something as simple as scheduling you know yeah. and, and actually what what Adam's been doing is now a a eight to four, two to six, or sorry, eight to noon, two to six workday. Yeah, with it was actually it's hour. actually seven to eight, nine to noon. Yeah, anyway, it, but it's designed around the requirements of my household, uh, my relationship with my wife, and what she's up to, and the work requirements of the studio. Since we need everybody to be there for stand up and stand up, all that kind of stuff, and then how my brain works and what I need. Like I actually just like designed it to, re- to like to try to make all of those things work at once. Versus previously, we were just like shove all the work hours together as tightly as possible. Start at nine to five. That was yeah, the nine to five. Fucking, Get it over was, with. That was the logic, right? <laughs> and uh, and I didn't. And I just hadn't thought about like why did we do it that way, right? And what is the consequence? And how does that mesh? You know, mesh with the the way that my brain works and how I want my day to look like and what chores I have to do and like what things I do and don't control about my life. And uh, and the answer was. Poorly, but also with some pretty fucking minor changes that don't impact anybody negatively. Yep. Yeah, because you're still there during all the meetings, you know, during the the, the morning stand up and the mm-hmm. afternoon stand down. Um, everybody knows that from noon to two, you're. But I'm just at not lunch. there. Uh, but it's never going to be the case that you know we that somebody needs you for the entire work day, right? Like usually, it's they'll need you for thirty minutes here, an hour there, or something. Mm-hmm. And so, people, you know, you just schedule it before or after yeah. that that break time. And it, it's just, doesn't, it just doesn't matter. And then the matter. end yeah. result has been that all of a sudden, like all these things that were so hard, in particular, like doing chores and like having good social interactions with my spouse and then cats, right? Uh, like all of a sudden, all of these things that were hard just weren't, you know? Yep. And that's, so, that's I think, because it's a structural problem. The yeah. beauty and the terror of all of these things, which is that. It doesn't have about, to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. We talk about like structure is culture in so many ways. And 
the unfortunate and vice reality. versa, right? Which that's that's the part that's yes. fucked up because you don't you're not aware of the culture that's created the structure, and so you want to reverse it. Yeah. Yep. So, I would say, talk to your your dev buddy who you're making this game with, and really try to get to the bottom of of why it is that you're not having a good time. And everything is on the table at the time that you guys are working together on this thing. Uh, the the fact that you're using an existing design doc that you're iterating or that you're trying to build for as opposed to iterating toward. Um, maybe just what how exactly you choose the next thing to do. How you manage your work even. Like we used to have a – we just had a worse time when we weren't using something like Trello or ClickUp. Just a fact. So like all of these stupid things. It might be yeah. any one of them. might be all of them. Who knows? But you got to so get them out of the Everything's on the table. I guarantee just, you it has nothing to do with the game. It has nothing to do with the game. And this is the unfortunate fact, right? Yeah, it has to do with the work. It has to do with the work. The work and the structures that enable or disable the work, as mm-hmm. the case may be. Uh, well, I mean, that's all the time we have. So we got a question answered. We did. <laughs> <laughs> I feel good about it, though. I hope, I hope we went into a good place with that one. Uh, so uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.